Today, we'll be discussing the career of the late Chadwick Boseman, and we'll be examining colon cancer, the disease which he eventually passed away from at the young age of 43. This is Doctor versus Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment and question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic from medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today, we'll be speaking about the late Chadwick Boseman. He died of colon cancer in August 2020. And in the second half of the show, we will discuss that devastating disease. Before we get into a retrospective of his career and our thoughts on it, Ali, we need to talk about what happened recently with the Oscars. The big news, and just so people know, we are recording this on Tuesday, uh, and the Oscars were Sunday night. So the big news is my Oscar record was 16 out of 23 correct uh, predictions. So Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that when people talk about the Oscars and the big news, that's probably not what they're referring to. I don't, I don't even know if that cracks the top 10. Although I will say this, and this is worth mentioning. If you listen to our last episode, I want to remind our listeners of a couple of quotes. Mm. Uh, Asif Doja said something to the effect of, quote, trust me for your office Oscar pools. Um, and I also, I want to remind us all of a quote that I said, which is that we may have the opportunity to mock you for your ignorance, Asif. And, 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 Please do send in your mockery if uh, if you do have the time to do that. We would appreciate that very much. So, okay. So I did say there has no, there has been no bigger lock in the history of the Oscars than Chadwick Boseman winning Best yeah. Actor. Now, do we need to review what you mean when you say lock? Is it a vocabulary thing? Is it a language thing? Or to me, s- a lock means a maybe, a maybe not. That's Does the way. Okay. I, yeah, that's the way I look at things. That's not the way the world works. So maybe we'll just recap exactly what happened. A very weird Oscars show in general. It was actually the lowest rated Oscars I think in the history of since they became track of ratings. I'm not sure. joking. That's that's yeah. true. Um, so it was a weird show, and it was very strange. I think you are watching it uh, as well at home. Uh, home and i was watching in my house and they went to best picture like with 20 minutes to go and nomad land one which was great but then we're like well what happened did we miss something i had to look to see whether i missed best actor same best here actress. i had to do the same i was going to text you so they moved those to the very end now clearly we know what the producers were hoping would happen they saved best actor for the end they i think thought that chadwick boseman would win uh, and then his his widow, his wife would come up, uh, give a speech, and they would end it on that. And maybe, I don't know what was going through their head. Maybe it was for ratings. Maybe it was so people would tune in. Maybe it's because if, his, if he did win and his wife gave a speech, I don't know if you saw the Golden Globe speech that she gave. Very beautiful. I mean, tearjerker it's really so maybe they thought nothing could follow that let's do this i don't know what happened but then what happened well what happened is uh the oscar went to anthony hopkins for father and not chadwick boseman and then the show ended so abruptly it was almost as if someone from uh, chadwick boseman's own family was on camera and was like hey, the hell with this i'm out of here like it was as if some cameraman just was like i'm shutting this down i'm gone i'm out it ended so abruptly and uh 
Uh, it was very strange. Like, did we lose transmission? Is that the end? Um, so to to end a strange Oscars, it was already in a weird place. It ended in an even weirder place. And and listen, you know, Anthony Hopkins wasn't there to uh, receive his award. So it was kind of just received on behalf of uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who was the presenter. Uh, now, let's be honest. It's not none of this is Anthony Hopkins fault. A, he gave an amazing performance. Sure. B, he didn't vote. Well, maybe he voted for himself, but in general, it was the rest of the Academy that voted for this. Sure. Well, he actually released the next day, uh, yesterday mm. from when we we're recording, he released something uh, standing in a field uh, somewhere mm. in, uh, I think he's Wales. I think he's in, in Wales. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in some Welsh field somewhere, he released a video saying, I'm honored. I did not expect this. And he gave, uh, you know, a, a deference to, uh, to, to Chadwick Boseman, which is, that's what a classy actor does. Mm-hmm. And I think Anthony has been recognized in his life. And uh, you got the feeling that even Anthony Hopkins was like, what? Me? Nah, this is not a good look <laughs> well, for, I, I, for anybody. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, and people are, some people are saying, well, he, why wasn't he up accepting it? Other people in Britain, he's 83. It was probably 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. there. Like, sure. He's not staying up for that. Sorry, guys. Oh, people uh, just so, need to hate. They need yeah. to hate something. That's funny. Okay. I will tell you something very interesting. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, Ali, but years ago, you know, there was this hashtag Oscar so white. That yeah. was trending a lot. So the Academy made a lot of, uh, of, of effort um, to try and increase its diversity. By the way, are you a member of the Motion Picture uh, uh, Academy? <laughs> I'm a member of the Academy of Cinema and uh, what is it? The, uh, the the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television, the uh, ACCT. Is that what you're referring to, Asif? Um, no. <laughs> Listen, don't Academy shame me. I'm a member of a couple of things, but no, not okay. the Motion Picture so, Academy. Uh, Getting back to what I was saying before, so the Academy tried to increase diversity. So they went from about 6,000 members to almost 10,000 members to try and increase the diversity, which is great. Now, just remember what happened this year. With, in theory, a more diverse group of people, for best actor, they picked the elderly white man over the uh, deceased black man. I'm just saying that's what happened not making any judgment, but very unusual circumstance that happened. Right. You're not saying that diversity is not worth it you're not about to... <laughs> it's worth it but i'm just not sure how this happened and, yeah. and you know it's 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 interesting i mean to go into the nitty-gritty of it uh, the screen actors guild award uh, uh was given out to chadwick boseman a few weeks ago and that's voted on just by actors so but whereas the academy award the nominations for best actor come from the acting branch but then it's voted on by all the all members, all ten thousand members. Right, 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 right. So I don't know what happened. It's very unusual what how this ended up being is, but it is what it is, right? Uh, Last week, I, uh, I I explained to our listeners that you are very passionate and have been for many decades about the Oscars and about. So I know that you've watched this um, with great interest over the years. Before we go on and get into our show, um, and, and, and also I should mention that just because you're passionate doesn't mean that you know a goddamn thing about anything. 16 out of 23 is not great, but um, we could. Uh, that's pretty random. People in their office might be cursing you right now. Any final thoughts on the rest of the telecast besides the words odd, weird, or strange? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. It was uh, directed by, or 
Steven Soderbergh was one of the producers. He wasn't actually the director. So people th- said it had a Ocean's 12 vibe, which is kind of just everybody showing up for a lark and not taking anything seriously, which is kind of, um, I think, apropos. Uh, it was strange. The venue was uh, was a train station in L.A. I thought I thought it looked very strange. It, it looked like, you know, a fancy ballroom in like uh, the suburbs of Toronto. It didn't really look like something you'd see in Hollywood. Um, if you watched it, you noticed that. And again, I'm not a, as you know, the whole point of the show is I'm not an entertainment guy. I don't know how things work, but I'm pretty sure usually actors look at the camera that's filming them most of the time for these things. And if you saw it's like they were searching for the camera all the time, sometimes they're looking at it. Very, very audio and video were strange. Audio and video were a little bit strange. Very strange. They did and then they people were complaining they didn't show clips of the of the movies. Uh, or the performances of these people. Well, um, the goal was not to cut the speeches. The goal was right. to give people the time as they talk. So I think concessions had to be made in a number of different areas because of that. And and I think we'll we'll probably talk about this in a future episode. But that allowed for some really poignant moments, yeah. such as uh, Thomas Vinterberg, the director of Another Round. And I think we're going to talk about that movie in an upcoming podcast. I mean, we but have his, to. Yeah. His speech was absolutely amazing. So I would say you you watch that uh, and maybe in preparation for one of you do a bit of homework. For our upcoming episode. <laughs> Don't let us spoon feed you. You know, my main takeaway, Asif, uh, forget the bizarro stuff. My main takeaway was a gang of vaccinated, tested people all got to hang out and mm-hmm. socialize mm-hmm. at tables mm-hmm. together. That was the main thing that I kept on going to. And I just was like, God, dare to dream. It, dare was, to it, dream. Was, it was good. It was good. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, the only other thing that I was, I just want to give a shout out to uh, the people, of course, who weren't mentioned in the in memoriam, which always happens. Everybody, oh, uh, yeah. you know, and it was very strange. Did you watch? It was like it was going at like the 1.5 or two times speed that people listen to our podcast on. Probably <laughs> like it was you couldn't even see with the name. Who's that? Oh, they're gone. And uh, but, you know, they had DMX, which was great. But you know, no Jessica Walter who just passed away. Who I you're mean, high, I you're I, drunk. Uh, Jessica Walter was the best, and so uh, really, really. So I don't know. That happens every year, though. I guess uh, it was just a very odd uh, um, telecast for sure. All right, so that's it. Oddness at the Oscars. If you watched any of it, you know about that. But some of those speeches were definitely worth watching. Um, I would consider going back and and, and looking at uh, just the speeches if you want to get the best of the Oscars. All right, let's kick the show off. Well, this obviously is an episode that's a little bit weighty. Most people, I would say, I can't speak for everybody, I think most people that I know, how about I say that? I know you always want the evidence. I don't have the evidence, but I will say anecdotally, most people that I know really got to know him as T'Challa after Black Panther. I just put Wakanda and Panther together and made Panther. Most people I know got to know him after he played T'Challa as the Black Panther and while that was a great role and he did an incredible job in it, my personal connection to Chadwick Boseman starts with this role of Jackie Robinson that he played in 42. You know, I am a Montrealer. Jackie Robinson played with the Montreal Royals. It was a farm team for, I think, the Brooklyn Dodgers. He got a, a kind of a break from this horrific, vile racism that he was constantly faced versus opposing teams and in the, even in his home stadiums in the U.S. And the manager of the team, I think, gave him that break on purpose so that he could develop in Montreal. I don't even know if he played a full season 
but it was something close to a season. And he and his wife, Jackie, both remember Montreal fondly, which is a real feather in Montreal's hat. And I was trying to put the propaganda, positive propaganda of Montreal on display for my wife at the time when she was visiting me in Montreal. So we watched that movie in Montreal as my sort of little bit of promo of Montreal. And I really, I just remember being like, who is this guy? Who is this actor? This guy's amazing. I remember being so taken aback by him and not even realizing that T'Challa was played by the same person who played Jackie Robinson a few years later. I'm a big fan of this guy and I'm happy he's getting his due. And any articles you read about him, whoever was in contact with this man for however short a time felt his energy and felt his brilliance and felt, you know, Spike Lee, who directed him in The Five Bloods, said like he was a light in this jungle that they were recording. And he was like a, a heavenly light. And people talk like that about him constantly. And it's great. I'm so happy he was recognized. Did you know him before The Black Panther? Only from the movies 42, as you mentioned, and Get On Up, where he played James Brown. is an interesting guy because he actually was recruited to play basketball in college, but then chose the arts. He went to Howard University, well-known university in the, the U.S., and he seemed to be more interested in theater and directing at the beginning. Felicia Rashad, we know is a prominent African-American actress in the U.S. She was one of his mentors. He went and did a summer program in Oxford. So he was really kind of in the theater and was very interesting in directing and kind of developing that aspect of his career. Yeah, he actually started, this is funny because he forewent sports for the arts and then winds up doing a bunch of movies that have him playing athletes and also was really into theater and directing, as you say, but then went into acting to kind of do that, you know, the thing in, in a company where somebody started from the mail room and worked their way up, he wanted to understand the mind of an actor before he could direct actors and became one of the greatest actors, like such a great, well-recognized actor in this past decade. So you just never know what's out there. And did you hear that he was on All My Children in about early 2000s? I think he was on All My Children. And do you, do you know the story behind, behind that? I do, because he talked about it. I don't know if it was, a, what's that called when you go back, a commencement address? Or he was back at Howard University in 2018 addressing graduates, I believe. And he talked about that experience. And he thought he would have some room to develop the character. Apparently in soap operas, they don't have the fully developed scripts and they don't have the fully developed characters. So he learned after he had signed on that it was like, you know, absentee father, drug addicted mother, something like this. It was going to be like this negative African-American stereotype of a character. And he tried to push for the character to be different. And this is, this is the interesting thing. Like it would cost the studio nothing to change that. It would cost the production nothing to change that. It's like, you really can't see my dad as a black accountant. You can't see that. Like instead of being absent, he was present. Maybe my mother owned a laundromat. You can't like, that's such a horrible thing to, anyway, he was regarded as, I guess he didn't really use these words, but I think he was regarded as problematic enough that they recast the role. And who took that role? Yeah. His future. Black Panther co-star, Michael B. Jordan, another great actor. It's a funny coincidence with him. But yeah, I kind of heard about him initially through 42 and Get On Up. And then Captain America Civil War was the first appearance of Black Panther in 2016. So that's when I really got to know him. And then clearly when you watch that movie, it's the setup for the standalone Black Panther movie, which came out in 2018. 
And really, it's one of the pinnacles of superhero action, the summer popcorn movie making, you know, because it's a great movie. But the themes that it addresses, I think, really hit home with a lot of people. It went beyond the typical blockbusters. And I think one really interesting thing, if you watch that movie, the character of Black Panther, he's the one who changes over time, right? And he, remember, at the beginning of the movie, Wakanda is isolated the most technically advanced civilization on the planet, but they keep to themselves and they don't want to get involved in other countries, the plight of other African countries or countries around the world. And that's what the character of Killmonger by Michael B. Jordan does not like. And that's what he actively moves against. That's the conflict in the movie. And then at the end, at the very end of the movie, I mean, sorry for a spoiler from a movie from three years ago, but after Killmonger's death, Black Panther, played by Chadwick Boseman, decides, no, actually, we are going to go out in the world and we are going to reveal Wakanda to the rest of the world. So he changes over time and he actually adopts some of the ideals of the antagonist, which is so interesting. And again, like it's just not the type of thing you see all the time. So I think that was a huge, from a story perspective, I think I love that about the movie. But then there's the effect the movie had. So we're talking about a movie with an African-American cast, with an African-American lead that made $1.348 billion, the 12th highest grossing movie of all time. That's more than Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, more than Frozen, more than Lord of the Ring, Return of the King. Take that, Frozen. <laughs> also, I think what's pretty sad for our listeners right now is that they're hearing you evoke more passion for nerdy superhero movies than anything that has to do with medicine. So that's unfortunate, I think, for our listeners. But I think as a diehard nerd that you are from day one, that's really on brand. That final thing that you just said, I really, I very much appreciate that. I remember hearing an interview with Shonda Rhimes, and I think I've talked about this, Shonda Rhimes, showrunner for a bunch of shows, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, and then Grey's Anatomy, and sometimes showrunning two shows at once, like a very, very busy person. Scandal is the show that has a female black lead. And she talks as the showrunner and creator of the show about the pressure she was under that she'd never felt in her life in years of Grey's Anatomy, because it was the first time she was trying to pitch this show with a black lead and it had to work, but she could, because she knew Hollywood is like a black lead. Now we tried that once with a show called Scandal. We're not going to do that again. And there's no doubt in my mind that Chadwick Boseman, face that exact same pressure and put that same pressure on himself that I am a black lead in a movie about a black superhero playing that black superhero with a predominantly black cast and the pressure is on us and we have to make sure this works. We have to make sure if it doesn't work, it's not because of us. We did the best job possible. And I think, you know, you have to give that some respect. White actors don't face that. White actors just simply don't go through that exact same amount of pressure and emotion when it comes to filming. They can just sort of focus on their job. But for black performers, a lot of the times, there's a whole other set of things at work. And I think it's great to talk about it and mention it. Well, absolutely. And as an aside, the next Chandra Rhymes TV show was How to Get Away with Murder. And the main character on that, the protagonist, was played by Viola Davis. So she was able to push her way through and do that. And Viola Davis, again, one of Chadwick Boseman's co-stars in a more recent movie, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and she plays Ma Rainey. She's great in it. Chadwick Boseman in this movie, I mean, this was a great year for him. He was into Five Bloods, as you said, Spike Lee's movie. And it's interesting, that movie, he kind of plays this idealistic figure from when the 
core group of four characters were in Vietnam. I don't know if people who've seen the movie, but there's a bunch of older black actors who play these Vietnam vets who go back to try and retrieve essentially a treasure from back when they were in the Vietnam War. And their leader at the time was played by Chadwick Boseman. So when they go to a flashback in the movie, the elderly actors still play themselves. So they look older, but it's taking place in Vietnam War. And Chadwick Boseman doesn't appear in future scenes, so he's still the young Chadwick Boseman. So it's an interesting spoiler. thing. Yes, it's, it's, spoiler. <laughs> it's an interesting, it's, it's a good performance, but he has this kind of light and he's kind of the leader of their group and what happens to them. I won't spoil it for you, but in terms of what happens. And then just thought, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is based on a play by the playwright, August Wilson. It's a great play. And this character of Levy, it's just so well done by Chadwick Boseman. It's just a great performance. You feel like the pathos of this character and how they're just uh, scratching and clawing to get their time in the spotlight. So anyway, really amazing job. And so, you know, we end up talking about his legacy, right? The legacy of this guy who is such a, such a great actor and made such an impact in such a relatively short amount of time when you look at his career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he was doing stuff up until 2010, including getting canceled from a show because he wanted the character to yeah. have more depth. But really, it was after 2010 that he came into the spotlight a little bit. And that too, only depending on what you watch and what you've seen, really, I think it was Black Panther that brought him into the fore. But it's, I don't know. I'm very happy that he got this recognition. And I think as far as role models for other actors, for other African-Americans, for people who just anybody who wants to do the best they can do in their field, whatever that field might be. This guy's he's he did, did it all. He really, really did, did it all. I encourage people to read some articles about his upbringing and his focus and his commitment to his roles, reading about his connection with August Wilson and, and how he studied that role and how he approached the rehearsals and the preparation is really pretty phenomenal. You know, Dan Aykroyd knew James Brown and Dan Aykroyd said, I didn't have to squint to see James Brown. Like when I was looking at Chadwick Boseman, felt like I was sitting with James Brown. And Jackie Robinson's widow said that she also, it felt like she was seeing her husband again so many years later when Chadwick Boseman played it. For me, his main legacy has to do with, you know, when I think about us when we were kids and we would want to dress up as superheroes, right? We talked about like we dress up as Batman and Robin or Superman or Spider-Man. So it's us people who are not white dressing up as white superheroes. And for me to see kids of all races idolizing Black Panther and want to dress up as Black Panther or his sister Shuri or things like that. It's such a difference from when we were kids. It just makes me happy that he could have been a role model for all children. Definitely, I'm sure it's been talked about many times how he's a a role model for young African-American children, but to be a role model for all children, regardless of race, I think it's amazing. Chadwick Boseman died in 2020 of colon cancer. And I think, again, anecdotes here. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I didn't really hear about colon cancer when I was growing up and maybe not even until my 30s. The question that I would put to you is, 
is it a more recent disease that we are seeing or was it something that people wouldn't specify the cancer? They would just say that he has cancer and, and leave it vague. And now we understand more about cancer and we talk more openly about the types of cancer we had. Is it more of a newer disease? So I don't think it's necessarily that it's becoming more common and more frequent, but certainly being recognized more. And a lot of it has to do with screening programs, which we have in place that we could talk about later on. But in the US and Canada, it's the third most common cause of cancer death in women and the second most common cause of cancer death in men. You know, probably in America, maybe 50,000 people are expected to die each year of a large bowel cancer. So it's definitely common. It's definitely very prevalent. And like I said, we're trying to raise more awareness of it to the average person. Now, my thoughts would go immediately to if it's in your bowel, it's food you're eating, and it's diet connected, you're probably going to give me some nonsense about there's no evidence of that right now, right? So, no, there is, and there are risk factors for it, okay? So, one of the risk factors is a genetic risk factor. There's a genetic disease called familial adenomatous polyposis, and I always say that wrong, and I'm probably mispronouncing it, but you basically, it's a, a familial predisposition to these polyps in your colon, which can turn cancerous. That's a big one. But we've also seen other things. We've seen an increased risk in people who have uh, diets high in red meat and animal fat and who don't have a lot of fiber or fruit and vegetable intake. It's been associated with a few other things as well. Cigarette smoking, alcohol consumption, sedentary lifestyle. One report suggested maybe high fructose corn syrup. So there are some things, and there's things like inflammatory bowel disease. You've probably heard of like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. Those patients who have that have an increased risk as well. But I thought here you'd be getting on my case for loving my high fructose corn syrup candies and the snacks and sweets and things like I that. I want to. I don't want to uh, air your dirty laundry, but yeah, you could probably scale way back on the candy and the Diet Coke that you eat, which is not corn syrup, but still bad news. Okay, so those are basically risk factors, and I guess we could say causes or possible causes. What are the warning signs? How do you know if you're showing some, you know, besides the predisposition, which is, I guess, you have to be a little bit more on top of that. If it's in your genes, you have to be getting treatment a little bit earlier than most people. But what are the uh, warning signs for other people? So the most common is a change in your bowel habits, right? And you can think about it like most of us pretty much know our bowel habits, you know, time of day, the consistency. In a previous episode, we talked about Dr. Oz, and he's famous for having these stool models that he brings out, right? So this is a constipated stool. This is a runny stool. And he'll go through that. Again, I, I've criticized Dr. Oz in the past, but that's a useful visual sometimes for people. It's kind of gross, but it's a visual. So changing your bowel habits, were you constipated? Now you're having more loose stools or the opposite, right? You used to have more looser stools. Uh, and so that's the number one cause doesn't mean that you have that and it means you have colon cancer, but it's certainly most common symptom. But the next most common symptom is rectal bleeding. And I'm pretty sure if you had that, you'd be concerned. Again, it could be something more benign like hemorrhoids or things like that. Some very spicy wings. Those have been known to create some trouble for me. 
I don't live your life. So I don't know. And the other one is unexplained anemia or a low hemoglobin count, low blood cell count, red blood cell count. And if you see that, doctors know what we need to look at this because it's quite possible. What happens is the tumors are very friable and are prone to bleeding because they're very vascular. They have a lot of blood vessels in them. And so just in the normal passage of your stool through your colon, you can create these small abrasions and cuts. And that will, uh, that, so you could have this rectal bleeding, but sometimes you have what's called occult bleeding. No joke about the occult bleeding. I mean, I listen, dude, I wanted to. And then I'm like, what if people have occult bleeding? What if people have lost people to colon cancer? I can't be so insensitive, but insert your own joke here if you like. But I would simply like to move on and say, tell me about this occult bleeding, what that means. So occult bleeding. So your stool may be slightly darker or may look quotation marks normal, but your doctor can do a test where it looks for a microscopic presence of blood, and that can be associated with colon cancer. So those are probably the most common presentations or complaints. And what about if I do potty four times a day? Is that bad? I don't really want to okay. talk about Okay. Uh, I'll send a sample. We'll solve that separately. Now, the thing here is that it was stage three colon cancer that Chadwick Boseman had. The most significant thing in my mind was that he kept it a secret. He found out it in 2016 and people very close to him who said they were like very close friends did not know. Almost everybody did not know that he had colon cancer. And then, you know, even Spike Lee said, I know why he did it because we would have treated him differently. There's a scene in The Five Bloods where he had to run and I told him run like Usain Bolt through this jungle or through this pathway and... If I'd known that he had colon cancer, I wouldn't have asked him to do that. And so it does change the way people treat each other. So he kept it as a secret. I wanted to know like what kind of what kind of pain would he be under? How difficult would it be to keep something like that a secret? Yeah, and it's tough. So Cancer can be described by these different stages, as you said. So it's just confined to the colon. I'll, I'll, I'll simplify it a bit, but confined to the colon, confined to the surrounding areas. Stage three means it's spread to adjacent lymph nodes. And stage four, which is what he died of last August, was spread to different areas. You've heard of metastatic disease. That's what it means. It's spread to different areas. It means gone to your bloodstream, spread to different areas. And that for most cancers, not all, but most has a poor prognosis once you're in that stage. So it's, it's certainly possible he was in pain. It's a bit hard to know. We're not even sure in terms of what he had with regards to surgery and chemotherapy. His family has kept that very under wraps. And again, that's reasonable because they're entitled to their privacy. But I think what we want to think about is how could this happen? He was so young. When he was diagnosed, he would have been in his late 30s. That's concerning. So we want to see, well, what can we do? Because we know the earlier it's detected, the better your prognosis is. And I don't know, again, I, I don't know his story. His family has not really talked about it. How did he find out? Was he screened? Was there a family history? All these things we don't know about. But there are kind of screening guidelines that have been published for when you should get screening done. So, for example, in the U.S. in general, again, I'll just be general because there's some specific guidelines from some specific groups. But they say if you have no symptoms and no family history, you should get a colonoscopy every 10 years. That's And I was going to ask about that because... Is it one of these things like prostate cancer where you still have men who are like, I'm not going to get a doctor to put a finger in my butt? Is it a similar thing that colon cancer is often overlooked because the test is invasive and the test does itself create the kind of a discouragement from people going to get it? 
that's an interesting point. You do need to be sedated for a colonoscopy. It is hard to do it without sedation. Some people do, but most people will do it with sedation. So there's that. You need to do a clean out beforehand, a bowel clean out. And if you want to look up, you can look up what you have to take. You have to drink this fluid and only have certain things to eat or drink. And by the, I think it's 24 hours beforehand, it's only either broth or clear fluids and things like that. So there's that. There's obviously different guidelines for different populations. If you have that family history of that genetics, you definitely need to get it more often and at a younger age. African-Americans, they say age 45 in the U.S., they should be screened. But you have a good point. Would that invasiveness of that turn people off? And that's one question. The other question is availability of colonoscopies. And this is a difference. You know, you and I live in Canada, but in the U.S., it's not as easy to get a colonoscopy in Canada as opposed to the U.S. In the U.S., it's much more prevalent and easy to get one. So it's availability as well. So with regards to the Canadian guidelines, physicians looked at all the scientific evidence. And right now, there's not a lot of evidence that colonoscopies are better than other tests. So in, in Canada, actually, what they recommend is either screening the stool for what we said, occult blood, so looking for any blood in the stool every two years. That's usually done. The family doctors, everybody will coordinate that. Or sometimes you could do what's called a flexible sigmoidoscopy, which is a bit less invasive. It's still a similar a camera in the quote, butt, as you said, but it doesn't go quite as far. And some family doctors can be trained in that. So it's a bit more available. So the guidelines are actually different in Canada versus the US. And so certainly Canada, the testing is less invasive, because there are still risks of colonoscopy, even though they're low, there are still risks of it. So it's less invasive in Canada, but more frequent. But a lot of that has to do with a availability of colonoscopy and b the quality of evidence. But definitely, primary care physicians, so your family doctors, your nurse practitioners, they know these guidelines for screening depending on what country you live in, and they'll be assessing people as time goes on and screening for family history and things like that. And then when it is caught early, the treatment involves what? Like, because it's in the colon, no matter when it's caught, is it always going to be a chemotherapy or radiation treatment that you're looking at? Or? No, if it's very early, the treatment is surgical. And so you just have surgery to remove that area and that section. And often I know people get worried, oh, we're going to have a, have a colostomy bag. And some patients may require that depending on what's going on in their abdomen at the time. But a lot of times they can just take out the bad part of the bowel, connect the two other two ends. And then some people can do okay from that point of view. So surgery for early stage patients or the stage one patients, later stages, then they may need chemotherapy and maybe surgery, though. That depends a bit on the situation. Okay. All right. Guys like you and me, you've already said that you could probably cut back on the trash that you eat. What can we do to prevent one of the biggest cancer killers in North America? What you can do is a couple things. There's probably like five or six things you can do. The number one thing, get screened for colon cancer once you're of a certain age. What is that age, bud? Don't leave us hanging here. Come on, 40, 45? In Canada, it's over 50. In the US, it depends. There's different groups. American Cancer Society recommends age 45 and above. Other groups in the US say 50 and above. But I would say if you're on that 45 to 50 year range, you should definitely be speaking to your doctor about it and also making sure that you're reviewing with your family. Anybody 
have any history of polyps or colon cancer, you need to ask those questions. Because as you said, Ali, some people don't like talking about that. So you need to make sure you talk to your extended family members, make sure that's the case and see if that may change how often you need to get screened. And then whatever your doctor recommends, talk to them about screening and they'll guide you to whether it may be colonoscopy, it may be one of these other types of tests. And again, this is something where, you know, your ethnic background comes into play as well, right? Like diabetes and heart disease for us South Asians, we have to be a little bit more on top of it. The African-American community has to be a little bit more on high alert for these screening. So other things you can do is diet, as we talked about. So more vegetables, more fruits, more whole grains, decrease red meat, processed meats because of those potential links. The other things are things that, you know, we talk about for everything, but especially for family history, you got to be thinking about it. Regular exercise, controlling your weight, stop smoking, and avoiding alcohol because alcohol use has been linked with a high risk of colorectal cancer. What a buzzkill this is, huh? It's a lot of good fun stuff that you don't want me to do, bud. But you know, it's important. There is a study in Denmark where they looked at the general population and the rates of colorectal cancer. And their conclusions were that 23% of all colorectal cancers could have been prevented if participants had followed those lifestyle recommendations we just talked about. So pretty powerful stuff. There's also a question about whether taking aspirin can help. And I would just say, again, it's something to speak with your doctor about. Again, I'm an expert on the brain, not really this area of the body. And the aspirin depends a bit on your age, depends if you have other risk factors for heart disease, which may tip you in the benefit of using it or not. So that's definitely a discussion to have with your family doctor. All right. Get screened. If you're of a certain age, eat your fruits and veggies and whole grain thing. Whole grains is important. Not that refined stuff as good as your Wonder Bread and Kraft Singles cheese tastes when they're grilled in a pan. Let's take a little break from that exercise and don't smoke or drink. All right. Thanks, bud. A lot of terrible stuff to think about there. But in the interests of not being hospitalized and going through treatment and getting surgeries for a cancer, obviously, it's all in our best interest. And, and I think the real thing I think the experts in colon cancer would tell you is if it's caught early, it's treatable. And you don't want to catch it late because those outcomes are much less favorable. So again, the reason why these lifestyle modifications in screening are so important. All right. That is our episode for today. Thank you very much. Asif, let people know where they can find us. So you can go to our website, Dr. Versus Comedian. That is a VS. All other ways to reach us is Dr. V Comedian. So Dr. V Comedian at gmail.com. If you want to send us a message on Twitter at Dr. V Comedian and Dr. V Comedian on Instagram. And please, if you can subscribe to our podcast, leave us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us out. Now, Ali, I know you have a couple of things to plug. I want you to plug. I'm giving you a command here. Plug your book and plug your other podcast, which I think some of the listeners want to hear more about. Yeah. The other podcast is particularly wonderful because I co-host it with a gentleman named Marco Timpano. It is called Eat and Drink with Marco and Ali. And it's of particular interest to us because Marco was an inspiration to you, Asif, to help get this podcast started. So he's a mentor to us, whether he knows it or not. Yeah, he's a very helpful tips. He's actually a book about starting podcasting. If someone's ever interested, it's an ebook available on Amazon. 
Marco Timpano is his name. You can find that book. And if you're looking to start a podcast, it is invaluable to everybody who reads it. Also, I have a book coming out in October called Is There Bacon in Heaven with Simon & Schuster. You can look at my website for more information on that. And that is it for us. We'll see you again next time. See ya. Thank you.